0: So, these values matter a lot to us. And, uh, you know, if you've been around, you'll have heard about the word essential, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, mission, discipleship, fellowship, and prayer. You might have had all of these or most of these. And today, as I said, we're looking at diversity. And um, have you ever felt, whether it's in a church setting or elsewhere, have you ever felt like, I don't fit here? You don't have to answer, but I. All the time, right, yes. Well, I'm definitely speaking to you today, but I'm speaking to all of us. I became a Christian in 1984, having left school seven years earlier, and with very few qualifications. And when I became a Christian, I felt really quickly, hang on a minute, I I don't belong here. I don't belong with this crowd. The new life group that they planted me into was led by this guy who was an Oxford. He'd been to Oxford University, like, and all I knew about Oxford University was they had a rowing race once a year with another posh lot of people from Cambridge. That's all I ever knew. And, uh, and as I went around this church, you know, I'd been there a few weeks, maybe a month or two, and I realised, or at least I thought, everyone has got a university education. And I thought, no, I ain't got one of those. I don't quite fit here. I got to a point where I even lied, right? You know, I've just become a Christian. And, uh, oh, I, you know, you ask these questions, what do you do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, every, every question like that, I felt a bit further away from fitting in. And I said, oh, yeah, I've got an O level in English. They went, oh, amazing. What books did you study? Um, not, well, I didn't really study books. I just got through it, right? So anyway, even then, back then, just trying to fit in. And despite my inferiority complex, despite me really, it wasn't their problem, it was my problem, placing them as higher than myself, they embraced me, they loved me, they cared for me, they taught me, they usually, pretty much anyway, treated me as an equal, they treated me as a brother, as a family member. And that was my early experience of the church as the family of God. And now I perceived it as someone who didn't really fit. An outsider brought in to belong to this family of God. Now, as I got to know them, I realised they weren't all university graduates and they had as many issues as I had. But anyway, that's how I felt. small little example, really, of how insignificant story, really, of inclusivity and how it can be like when we don't quite feel we fit. So what does it mean to be a diverse church? Are we just trying to align to the culture of the day because there's lots said about it now? Are we just trying to ensure we're the right side of political correctness and not accused of anything so that there'll be no slurs against us and no one will sideline us or cancel us, that sort of thing? Well, I don't really care too much for those sort of things. And hopefully you don't. We want to build a church that is true to the Bible, that is true to what God's word says. So let's, let's have a little look through what the Bible says. Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of the, and the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And this is a picture of ultimately where we're all heading. This is a picture of the church. This is a picture of what the church ought to be, working towards. One day we will be perfectly unified. We'll be worshipping Jesus in its fullest measure, diverse yet unified. And as you can see from these verses, every nation, tribe, people and language will be there, none missing out. We'll not morph into some grey and bland expression but with the full expression of the greatness and beauty of God and this is what it will be like as we look into eternity so therefore the reason I've mentioned worship in this is to conclude that the issue of diversity is of great importance it's not some little add-on towards the end of the bible we give a high value to worship rightly so because we will worship forevermore we see in part now but one day we'll worship in its fullest measure race and diversity is very much on god's heart because diversity as you've seen from those couple of verses diversity will be in full evidence in eternity into eternity so we can see through scripture this has always been god's plan let me just run through a few more bible verses if you're not sure, if, that, if those two verses haven't quite gripped it for you, let me give you another couple of things to think about. Firstly, in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We're all made in the image of God. Every one of us is equal before God. Right back then, in the Garden of Eden, there was no division There was no pecking order of superiority or importance. All that God made was very good. Sin entered the world and it became divided and fractured, but God was still after the nations. Genesis 12, 1-3. The Lord said to Abraham, "'Go from your country, your people and your father's household "'to the land I will show you. "'I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. "'I will make your name great and you will be a blessing.'" I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. God's plan to reach all the peoples. Israel to be a light to the nations, a prophetic voice to the nations. Israel, a set-apart nation to point others to nation to God. And then comes Jesus, the fulfillment of of that promise, of the light to the nations. Jesus, the light of the world. And Jesus reached out to all sorts of people, the Jewish as well as the the, the Samaritan woman at the well and other people, the story of the good Samaritan. Jesus reached out to all types of people, the rich, the poor, the not-so-well-to-do and all that sort of people. He reached out to every person. And then the early church, Jesus has died, he's been raised from the grave, he's gone back to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And, the na- and then the church, the disciples, are sent to the nations. Matthew 28, 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And this is what the disciples did. Philip preaching to an Ethiopian eunuch, Simeon, called Niger, from Cyrene, which is a city in Africa. And He is part of the prophets and the teachers that set apart Barnabas and Saul. We can easily overlook that and think everyone... That Christianity is a, a, a European, Western religion. Right at the very heart of the gospel, right there at the early church, the nations are being drawn in. And then to our slide, which we've looked at, Revelation 7, 9 and 10, a great multitude from every tribe, every nation every people group and every language, a number so vast that you can't count. And we want to give ourselves to this, to build a church that we are to become, that's going to happen. We want to be a prophetic statement, a multi-diverse church, old and young. Good to have the youth in. You as in, just for that one line, you guys, old and young, you and me, we're going to be there. And that's the sort of church we want to build uneducated and highly educated from every background, from every, everything we can ever see around Bognor and beyond. That's what we want to build, a church from multiple backgrounds, as many nationalities as possible, right across Bognor and Haven and Chichester. Well, I'm sure you've caught a little bit of a glimpse of that. that. That was the easy bit, really. And getting there for us is not necessarily that easy. And it's not going to be accomplished by a set of moral ethics or just our own endeavours, but by the church being shaped by the word of God and the empowerment of the spirit of God that declares to the world something so very different. Because as always in these things, it's a heart issue and only God can deal with the heart. Education, training events, they can only take us so far. The world's answer to this problem, and we, we know it's a problem right across the globe and, and probably always has been. And their answer is to educate us and, and shout at us when we get it wrong or to punish us or to, or to silence us or to shame us. But the world doesn't deal with the heart. The world knows it's right and, 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 and rightly so that racism and inequality is wrong. But it doesn't know the answer. It puts in place some things that can help along the way. But it doesn't change the heart and it doesn't change attitudes. So this issue we know is deep and only the gospel is the answer. And that's why diversity is a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue because of this. The blood-bought bride of Christ. Revelation 5, 9 and 10 says this. And they sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. God is after a particular bride. And this is the picture of the purpose of God in the death of his son. Purposeful intentional, a people from every tribe, language, and nation, a God-centered people in harmony. The people of God won by the blood of Jesus, a people reconciled to God and to one another from every nation. That's why it's a gospel issue. His reconciliation of us to God, but it's more than that. It's more than just a personal thing. God saves us and transforms us God doesn't make you and I just a better person just a better version of ourselves but completely changes us we're a new creation we have a new identity in Christ it's a big issue because it's God's issue you might say well great all good God has called us to be one to be united God has initiated all this I can see it through these verses Great, we're all sorted. Let's move on to the next challenge. Well, not quite. Ephesians 2, the first 1 to 10 verses, are all about us as individuals. You were dead in your sin. You lived according to the desires of your heart. And then verse 4 of Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5, says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And I just know that God wants to take us so much more. You know, I mentioned at the beginning, worship. He wants to take us way beyond our own little world and our own circumstance into something far bigger, far greater. And even as we sung that song, you know, being called out of the grave, that's what's happened in this song, right? I mean, in these verses, We've been called out. We were dead. We were not breathing spiritually. We were alienated from God and impossible for you and I to sort out. We're dead. But then God broke in. He made you alive. He transformed your heart. There was another song we sang, and it was all about the breath of God, something like that anyway. I can't remember. the. I didn't have a pen quick enough to write it all down. But, you know, there's this sense of God speaking over our lives and into us. And he breathed life into us where we were dead. Even that song, I ran out of the grave. Well, actually, God caused us to run out of the grave. He got our muscles moving. Every part of that is about God's work changing us. God, through Jesus, calls you and I to be born again. All the work of his grace, not based on anything you or I have done or might do. All of God. And this, as you know, if you've been around for a little while in church life, this is foundational, and this is what has taken place if you're a Christian. And this is a stunning summary and picture of the gospel. We're going to read Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 18. They'll come up on the screen. And it says this, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, By one spirit. We were far off. You and I were far off and brought near. We had no hope. We were excluded from God. But we were brought near by the blood of Jesus. And he became our peace. Jesus brought those who were near and those who were far off to himself. And he made the two groups one. If you're not an ethnic Jew and I don't know if anyone is here, but if you are not, you were far off, just like me. But we were far off, and those who were near have become the third ethnicity. We're the family of God. But you probably know, like I, maybe through personal experience, far deeper than the little story I told at the beginning. There can be a barrier, a wall of hostility, And this is clearly evident outside of the church. But sometimes, and sadly, it can be the same within church. And hostility comes from divisions based on many things. Colour, class, age, wealth, abilities. But God has made us one new man in Christ. So it's a matter of identity that changes us. I'm in Christ. That's what changes everything. I belong to Christ. But we can still have consciously or subconsciously attitudes that say, well, I'm better than you. Or you're better than me. That's not the right way to do things. And sometimes we can do that based on what is my preference or what is my background, what is the culture that I've come from. And then we can make it that we devalue someone else's experience and journey we can stick to the same type of friends because that reaffirms my beliefs and my preferences identity is a really important issue and identity in Jesus is what is the most significant thing for us we can easily retreat to those like us and of course it's easier that way it's more comfortable but we want to go after something that brings glory to God, a diverse church in every way that is possible, living in Bognor and Haven and Chichester. It's a heart issue and it's an identity issue. We can take what is good, what is distinct, and how God has made us, which is great. That's what we should do. God, I thank you that for all the things, the way you've made me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But we can take those things and compare. We can take our normal and look down on another culture or another, another group, per, type of group, whether it's an age thing or class thing or colour thing. You know, some, some of us, I'm like this, I have to be on time. I always want to be on time. Now, you know, this is not, you, other people, less so, right? We have this thing, no one's going to say to me, you know, whenever that day comes, if there is that moment, to be able to say to me on my last days, well done, Tony, you was always on time. Good job. It's not an important thing, is it? Others of us are more, well, it doesn't matter. I've spent some time, even in today, in the car park, talking with someone, sharing my life with them. We have different cultures and we want to celebrate and not think, mine is a better way. I've got the right way. We can do that about lots of things. You know, like, oh, well, I only have dinner parties. And another group of people, look, just come and hang out. Whatever I'm having for dinner, I'll share with you. Another, like, you know, if someone says to you, right, di- I'll make, let's have dinner together. I'll invite you around. And I think I've, I'm free in February. You know, we can have that sort of, like, that's our style and stuff like that. But others, it's more like, yeah, just drop in. And they actually mean just drop in. You can have what I'm having. We're different. And it's okay to be different. Of course, there are complexities around our backgrounds and stories and histories. Loads of layers, our occupation, our education, our ethnicity, where we live, where we grew up, the families that we come from, loads of other things. And it's okay to be different. In fact, we should celebrate our differences. But my identity and your identity is first and foremost, I'm in Christ. I'm a Christian. That's my identity. I'm a Christian who happens to be white British. I have more in common. There's a, I've got a friend. I've had him now for, well, he's, he befriended me way back, 30-odd years ago. And he's, like, I was a roofer, and he was, a, like, a surgeon. I mean, the only time we would meet, I reckon, before I was a Christian, is if he wanted his roof fixed, and I thought, hello, he's got a few quid. We might be out get a little bit more anyway no that's another story altogether but you know we would not our paths would not have crossed but i'm still friends with him and i have, I have so much in common with him because of jesus not because of our past i remember going to a church when i first became a christian i do give someone a lift it was i just gave him a lift it was my next door neighbor and uh it, this was this this family that like from nigeria they car had broken down and i gave him a lift they said, oh, and then we get chatting. They realized I'm a Christian. I knew they were Christians. And they said, you have to come to our church. So I went to their church, and like I was the only white person there. And, and I thought, wow, I'm out of place. But, you know, they, they were so embracing. They were so warm. And I had more in common with them than the guys that I used to play football with on a Saturday afternoon. Because of Jesus, it's, that's what sets us apart. The more I grow in this Christian life, growing in maturity in God, the more this makes sense. The more I realise I'm part of a new people. Being in Christ is what reunites you and I. And so it's important to celebrate our differences. It's no good me saying, oh, I don't see you as whatever your background is or the colour of your skin. Let's celebrate one another. We're not all the same. God is clearly delighted and loves it, the diversity across the world, across the globe. He made us. He doesn't downplay who you are, and he doesn't downplay who I am. So let's celebrate it and recognise it's in Jesus where we have our identity and our unity. All tribe, tongue, ethnicities and nations will be gathered around the throne of God. All the glory and honour of all the nations that's what it says in Revelation 21.6. Bringing all the colour, all the beauty. And the aim is to display the manifold wisdom of God to a world that will never really quite make it in terms of diversity. Being a church that is a prophetic statement is more than just having a few different faces and a few different ages and, and perhaps a surgeon in here and someone who, who's not got a job. It's so much more than that. Is so much more. Everyone is welcome. We're all outsiders, been brought near, been brought into Jesus because of Him. You may have thought, well, yeah, the gospel, the word, mission, Holy Spirit, values of Grace Church. Of course they are. And maybe diversity, well, it's a popular thing to talk about at the moment. Maybe it's just an add on. No, diversity is intrinsically linked to the other values as we've seen. It's a gospel issue, an issue of reconciliation. It's throughout the Bible, it's a word issue, it's missional. What a delight to see the prophetic statement of the church, every tribe, tongue and nation in perfect harmony around Jesus. It happens nowhere else. And I really love the, you know the mission side of things. Where else do you go? where people like us, in one space, all the differences that we have, have something in common where we... My experience right at the beginning, where people were looking out for one another, caring for one another, whatever the background, a sense of unity. So what does that mean for us at Grace Church? What is the outworking of that for you and me in these coming weeks, months, and years? Well, there's. I've got six things. The first one is in grace groups, Get to Grace Group, because that's where you can experience. Like on a Sunday morning, we'll get a tea and a coffee. You're allowed a biscuit. I won't get a biscuit. But, you know, we're allowed that, and we gravitate to our own people. That's what often we do. That's safe and comfortable. But maybe look out for someone different today. But it's in Grace Groups where we share our lives, where we walk in someone else's shoes. When I hear someone else's story, that changes things, that gives me empathy, that, that enables me to just feel that, the same joys that they have, to feel the pains that they've experienced. Grace groups is where we work out how we belong together. And if you've been along, we've been asking questions about our stories and what life is like for you, what life has been like for you. Stories are important because that's how we find out about each other. The second one, diversity without disunity this doesn't mean we just have a load of different nationalities and backgrounds and saying hello to each other on a Sunday morning we're in each other's lives a question that I want you to think about over the next coming days who are the five people you hang out with the most maybe apart from your family are they all like you it's a challenge to me it might be a challenge to you we're united in Christ. We celebrate our diversity, but we don't create uniformity. We can look different to one another. That's good. We welcome one another, the third one, especially those who are not like you. And if you're like me, you're the majority. And we don't have to do much work, right, because everyone's like us. is easy in many ways. You probably feel like you fit we need to reach out to people who are different to us and welcome them in, bring them in, make an effort, push towards that. The fourth one is hospitality. Make a start. Invite someone into your home. Invite someone out for a coffee. Take someone out on a walk or something like that. Go to the park with some people who are different to you. And this is measurable, right? Because you can look at your diary if you have one, and even that is a Some people don't have them. But you can look back over the last month. What have I done to invite someone into my life, been hospitable towards them? I'm praying for an even greater diverse church than what we've got. And I know I've got a part to play in that, and so have you. And the fifth point there is representation without tokenism. And that's across the whole of Grace Church. It's not about fulfilling quota tick box exercise we're all equal before God and I'm grateful for people people in this room and and people in the room in Haven and in Chichester who've pioneered who've pushed against the norm who've really pushed through and I'm grateful for people who've pioneered like that who've made sacrifices who've been patient with people like me and if you look like me You're probably not one of those pioneers, but we can thank God for people who are pushing through in this area. Unity needs genuine inclusion and representation. The way we pray, the way we lead, the way we live our lives. We need people from all backgrounds, leading, shaping, creating, and owning what goes on at Grace Church. We probably need to be uncomfortable with the styles at times. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a time of worship and thought oh that's one of my favorites that one i like that or "Mm, i don't know that one or whatever it is those preferences and and when we are being more diverse and inclusive our preferences should take more of a back seat someone who's leading or praying or leading a prayer meeting oh they don't pray quite like me that's good it's good to be uncomfortable. It's good to be outside of that, that zone that we always like to be in. We probably need to be uncomfortable with the style from time to time, or even more than that, to be honest. The gospel is so much more than our comfort. And the final thing here is in these lists of our our part within Grace Church is integration. And this doesn't mean... Come and join us and be like us. It doesn't mean that at all. It's easy to slip back into old ways. So a year and a half ago, we, we, had, we in the Justice series, we talked about race. And it's a subject we have to keep talking about. Galatians 3 says, You foolish Galatians, you started in the spirit and you've returned to the flesh. It's easy to drift back. We want to push into all that God's got. And absolutely, through what the Bible says, God is after a diverse church. Inclusion, I, I, I got this quote from someone, and he got it from someone else, so I won't even say who he is. He's just the middle man. But anyway, he said this. Diversity means having a seat at the table. Inclusion is having your voice heard at the table. Belonging is having your voice heard at the table and acted upon. What a picture of the bride of Christ, displaying the manifold wisdom of God, unity, harmony, and diversity. And we're going to take communion right now. And this is a great time, isn't it? You know, we're not perfect individually and as a church. We know we're not perfect. But we're on a journey with God to see something amazing and outstanding and look around this room and there's all sorts of different areas of diversity that are represented here. And yet we come together at this moment, an opportunity to gather around Jesus that stresses our unity. So we're going to celebrate Jesus's death and resurrection. This, Why don't we stand? What I'd like us to do, if we can do this as as, uh, quickly as we can without running. We're in a school, right? If you go over to the tables to the left and the right, is there a Gluten free thing. Oh, not here, Johnny. Do you know where that is? Oh, they're labeled. So if we leave your seats, get the juice and a piece of bread, come back to your seats, and I'm going to lead us through communion. So if we can do that, and then we're going to come together. It's a wonderful moment to come and take communion. There's lots of reasons why we take communion. Obviously, the biggest one is we're reminding ourselves of Jesus' death, his body given for us. And I read those verses in Revelation 5, that the blood-bought bride of Christ, you and me, and then every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And obviously, not every one of those is represented in this room. But let's take the bread and we're, we're celebrating our unified condition because of Christ. So let's, because of Christ, let's take the bread. Jesus, we thank you for your body given for us. Lord, that you've made us one and Lord, we know we have our differences, as in that's the way you've made us. And God, we thank you for that. But we are united in you because of what you achieved on the cross. You, you did it for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. You did it for us as individuals. But God, you did it for the bigger picture, that you might get all the glory. And let's take the juice, the, the blood of Christ shed for us. Jesus, we thank you that you shed your blood You paid the price. You called us out of the grave because your blood was shed for us. We could be called out of the grave. You're alive and we celebrate that and we celebrate our oneness. We're one in Christ. In Christ. Thank you, Lord. We're going to finish. It's always a great way to finish. We're going to worship and then Johnny will finish. But what I'd love us to do is after we've worshipped or even during worship if you're a risk taker let's embrace one another those who are not like us and let's, let's share out, you know that sense of we're one in Christ Amen